0: Hello, my name is Elaine Stafford and you're very welcome to KPMG's podcast Conversations with Auditors. The podcast where we explore relevant issues, opportunities and the new ways of working that are shaping the future of the profession. Today I'm delighted to be joined by Connor Holland. Connor is a member of KPMG's Global Sustainability, ESG and Sustainable Finance Group. Connor, the Corporate Sustainability Reporting Directive has now been approved by the European Council. Can you tell me how that's going to impact Irish companies?
1: Yeah, sure, thanks Elaine. Um so it's going to be quite consequential right in terms of both its scale, depth and breadth, right? So from 1 January 2024, all entities who are currently caught by the non-financial reporting directive, which is the existing framework if you like for ESG reporting in the EU, they'll have to comply with the CSRD. So reporting in 2025 on calendar year 2024. For most other large companies in Ireland, public and private, from 1 January 2025, uh, so calendar year 25, they'll then be reporting in 2026 on the new ESG reporting requirements. Um, I'm I'm sure we'll get into them in a couple of moments, but there is quite a lot more granularity in what's coming down the line, it's a whole new set of standards, it's a different set of reporting, and it's the first step in moving towards equilibrium, in effect, between non-financial reporting and financial reporting. And I suppose one of the other big changes around this type of information is that it'll also be subject to assurance. So it's the first time we're going to have mandatory assurance around non financial information for Irish companies.
0: Okay. So let's say, Connor, I'm a director of an Irish private manufacturing business and it's got turnover of about fifty million. A- am I gonna be impacted by the C S R D then?
1: Yeah, you would be in that example so there's there's I suppose, three criterion by which you're brought in, and you, n- you only need to meet two. It's the 20 million of assets, 40 million in revenue, or on average, greater than or equal to 250 employees over the year. So that obviously brings in quite a significant cohort of companies, um, and in your uh, description there of that type of entity, yes, you will be impacted. So that means from 1 January 2025, that entity would have to start reporting on the ESG information. Yeah.
0: Okay. And let's stick with the same example of that company. Yeah. So what sort of environmental, social governance type of information is that company going to need to give it very simply? You know, I'm a director of this company. Yeah. What do I need to capture?
1: Yeah. Uh, so the very simply piece is probably hard, right? But uh, there's 12 new standards. And even actually at that point, it's probably important to, to labor. Um, this isn't just a couple of metrics like it's, it's equivalent to having a whole new set of Accountancy standards landed on us all all at one go. So there's 12 standards across the ESNG, and um, And that's everything from without necessarily getting into the minutiae from climate change Biodiversity pollution through to social uh, standards like workers in the value chain communities um, Right through to the G or governance or conduct. So there's kind of a spectrum of standards across the ESG. there is approximately 80 to 100, let's say, depending on the entity, uh, disclosure requirements that permeate through the ESG that you're going to have to comply with. Um, and then, without uh, putting too much fear into people, there's also going to be a set of sector specific standards that will come further on, on top of those, um, uh, I suppose, baseline ESG standards.
0: Okay. And I've been hearing a lot of noise as well about EFRAG mm. and the standards that they're working on. So, Are they the same or are they different to the CSRD?
1: Yeah, sorry, So that's we can get lost in the alphabet soup, but the CSRD tasked EFRAG or EFRAG with setting the ESRSs, so the European Sustainability Reporting Standards. So CSRD is the legislative framework, EFRAG was the body tasked within that framework to set the standards and the standards are the ESRSs. So that's a term that people are going to have to get quite familiar with um, quite quickly. So the ESRSs will be the standards that entities will have to comply with, if you'd like, from one Jan twenty four or one Jan twenty five, uh, depending on what type of entity they are.
0: And then I've also been hearing about um, the IFRS sustainability reporting standards. So, how how do those layer in, are, mm. are they different or the same?
1: They're uh, they're both actually in some respects. Um, so, yeah, like the maybe just to take a step back, the the original genesis to maybe the development of these standards was that we had a whole plethora of voluntary frameworks, so TCFD, GRI, SASB, a whole whole bunch of them, and the demand in the market were from multiple stakeholders was we need coherence around the set of standards we have, we need a unified set of standards, um, and we need to be reporting to something that can be uh, transparent um, and compared against various entities. So with that, the EU went off and developed the CSRD, which is the EFRAG and the ESRSs we've just been talking about. But then in tandem, we had the ISSB, which is the International Sustainability Standards Board, also do likewise. Uh, and the ISSB, uh, as you allude to, is connected to IFRS. It's a sister body of the what people would be familiar with, with the accountancy standards. So the, the ISSB standards have been developed in tandem. I suppose, what are the key differences and similarities? Um, firstly, the ISSB only has two standards out in the ether at the moment. One is climate and one is sustainability. On the climate one, that is, you know, very, very, very equivalent to the climate standard in the ESRS's because both are built off uh, the TCFD. So the TCFD framework is the baseline. And then the sustainability standards, uh, sustainability standard in in ISSB is also quite similar to the equivalent standard in ESRS. I suppose, moreover, in the final iteration of the ESRS standards that came out, in a number of the updates that, that came through, there was a move to more equivalence between... What's in the ESRSs and what's in the um, uh, ISSB standards, particularly around materiality um, and the definition of, let's say, enterprise value and some some more metrics. So they're quite similar where they can be. The uh, FRAG piece goes further, and the ISSB is a voluntary framework, which are probably the key differences.
0: Thanks, Connor. You said alphabet soup there earlier on, and, and that really does ring true. Um, For some of our listeners that might not be aware of what the TCFD is to even begin with, you Mm. might just very briefly explain that piece.
1: Yeah, okay. So the TCFD, I suppose, is the um, overarching standard around climate disclosures. So it engendered a couple of years ago around the need and demand from various stakeholders, particularly large investors and asset managers around, I suppose, recognizing that climate risk is now starting to manifest as a financial risk and what that meant for direction of capital and where capital should be allocated so in response to that through the financial stability board we were or there was a creation if you like of a framework being the task force on climate related disclosures of the tcfd for the type of information that would be relevant around climate risk climate metrics climate targets climate strategy um, so that's set the baseline if you like around the type of information that should be reported and a lot of large plcs primarily less so in privates have been reporting to that tcfd framework for the past couple of years uh, but on a voluntary basis
0: thanks connor so could i perhaps just as a company pick one of these standards and just comply with it would would that meet all the requirements of the various um regulations
1: um well i suppose the one of the key changes is adding. um uh, once we get into the CSRD, the latitude for doing what you like will dissipate quite quickly, right? So you'll just be mandated to report to certain metrics. And um, the CSRD will, as I said, go quite far in terms of what type and deep and types of information that will be need to be reported. You could be in a situation, depending on the type of entity you have, where you might actually have reporting for the CSRD or the ESRS standards in Europe. issb let's say in the uk the uk has indicated they will likely adopt the issb and you could have sec requirements in the us so you might be in a very unfortunate position and we have some clients uh, and friends who are in that position where they will have multiple requirements um but i suppose the key point elaine maybe to labour is that the the ability to pick and choose, which a lot of entities have been doing here heretofore, that will go away under the CSRD. So we're moving to mandatory reporting, mandatory requirements, and less so on the ability to to report to voluntary metrics or frameworks that you choose.
0: And what happens if a company doesn't comply? What's the implications for them?
1: Yeah, so that's um, a, it'll be left to the discretion of each national competent authority uh, as framed under the CSRD, and that will move into everything from uh, fines to to other punitive measures um but but there isn't really an ability to not comply like keep in mind that the auditor will also have to assure this information if you're not reporting the information that's clearly a a consequence for the type of opinion you get so um it's a very 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 high bar to just determine you're not going to comply what's more likely or perhaps more uh is there may be certain metrics through your materiality work that you determine are not material to your entity or not need to be reported because um, they're just not relevant or, or as I said, not material. So that's probably a more meaningful and, and cogent exercise that can be undertaken to perhaps to distill the type of reporting that you will have.
0: And can you help me get my head around the term double materiality? That's been thrown around quite a lot. Mm,
1: yeah, yeah, okay, so um, double materiality is a concept imbued in the CSRD or the ESRSs? So it's not in ISSB or the SEC metrics or TCFD. It is very much a, a concept anchored in the ESRSs. Um, what it means is you have financial materiality and impact materiality and where that's relevant, so particularly for those of us who are familiar with let's say financial reporting, you report on matters that are material to your business. So in essence, it's the same concept, right? The difference is, one, you have a financial material lens that's equivalent, not necessarily the same, but equivalent to what we would do, or sorry, how we would evaluate under um, accountancy standards. Probably the key difference is, is it's more on a cash flow type assessment. So like, is, it, is the ESG factor potentially material to future cash flows? That's the financial piece. And then the impact materiality is kind of you're uh, looking at a topic as to the business or the entity's impact on the environment, on society. So it's looking at it through that context and that lens. And if you determine that either uh, topic, so let's say you're looking at pollution or biodiversity for your business, if you determine that that is material either through a financial lens or a impact lens, i.e. the two anchors in or uh, pillars in double materiality, um, then it is material to your business and consequently you need to report.
0: So as auditors then, what should we be telling our clients at the moment? What do they need to do to prepare?
1: Um, read the standards <laughs> uh, first and foremost. Uh, like the, the the standards are quite detailed, so like you know, it sounds simple, but it's 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 important to actually just familiarise yourself with the standards um, and understand what's coming. Um, practical steps, I suppose, one identify to what extent your business is impacted and when they would need to report. So knowing your timelines is obviously quite critical um two one of the ways or one of the mechanisms rather that clients have found helpful to getting ready or preparing is undertaking a gap analysis and a materiality assessment at the same time so back to your earlier question around double materiality like it's clearly quite important that you identify the topics that are material to your business right because if there's 12 standards and potentially up to 100 plus data points or sorry disclosure requirements even there's more data points but disclosure requirements that you're going to need to report to you want to make sure you distill that list into what you actually have to report rather than just uh, throwing resource and effort at everything that's potentially in the disclosure requirements so how do you do that? First of all it's doing your double materiality assessment to identify what topics are material or relevant to your business and then once you have those topics probably the next um, sensible step is taking out or, or identifying the relevant disclosure requirements in each of those um, ESG topics that you've identified as material to your business and contrasting those to what you currently report which for most entities I like will be very little right so there's gonna be a lot of gaps mm-hmm. but at least you can identify the meaningful or the sensible gaps rather than saying every disclosure requirement is a gap and once you have your list of disclosure gaps that then informs what you need to do to prepare right so that's writing your policies getting your audit trail ready building your processes uh really getting assurance ready if you'd like for when you have to mandatorily report
0: and perhaps just to make it really clear to our listeners right if we if we take one of the topics say we take the environmental piece what can we expect then to like see businesses disclosing like what sort of is it metrics or what sort of information are they going to be giving on that environmental piece? Do we expect a typical business?
1: Yeah, okay. So it'll be um it's gonna be a mix of qualitative and quantitative. Um and that's pretty much the, the case for every standard. Um so it'll be everything from um you know your strategy, your policies, procedures around let's say and to use your example of climate so your policies procedures that the entity uses to manage climate risk or to uh, mitigate climate risk to then more uh, binary or quantitative metrics like your scope greenhouse gas emissions scope one two three emissions um, and similar for, for pollution or whatever the case may be um, or energy consumption you might have uh, qualitative disclosures around how the business manages energy consumption, but then have quite binary or direct metrics of what is your um, electricity consumption or fuel, whatever the case may be. So it is a mixture of, of both, um, but also throughout, and this back to my point of it's similar to accountancy standards, like we have application guidance and conceptual frameworks that underpin all of the standards. Um, so what does that mean? You will also be disclosing aspects where perhaps you have made estimates or judgments. Right, so similar to what we have under, let's say, IS-1 and accounting, uh, to the extent an entity is making judgments or assumptions, they're going to need to disclose that um, similar to how we would in an accounting set. So it'll be a mixture of qualitative and quantitative. Uh, the other piece just linked to it is that this will, li- this will all be reported in your same report as your annual report. So it won't be bifurcated or separate. It will all be one report. There will be options around how you report with within uh, your your annual report, the preference is all in one place, so just one uh, um, one reporting framework up at the start or in the management report, um, but but all together and a mix of qualitative and quantitative and As I said, uh, application guidance that underpins that.
0: And Connor, do you think there's going to be any benefit for businesses in complying? In, for example, perhaps will some businesses be able to avail of cheaper finance in the future?
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, that's a good question. Um, yes, uh, and we've already we've already seen that Elaine, and we know from clients coming to us that they they are available, or sorry, are able to avail of cheaper financing or lower costs of capital to the extent they can demonstrate um, ESG credentials. Um, moreover, we've seen uh, entities come to us of you know if they can demonstrate that they have certain metrics independently assured linked to their um, green credentials. That they can again veil of lower cost of capital we've seen banks or, or finance providers become a bit more um judicious around what's being provided to them right so uh, like people will be aware of the term greenwashing and mm-hmm. certain entities perhaps embellishing their their green credentials so in that context we've certainly seen an uptick in uh clients or entities looking for maybe assurance over targeted metrics um but there's certainly like the this is, um, this is a train that everyone's gonna have to get on. Um, it, uh, banks are under pressure from the ECB and their own regulators to, to uh, decarbonize their book, if you'd like, Right, so they have also their incentives to lend green, um, and clearly there's gonna be a cascading impact in that regard. So the sooner entities um, get prepared in that context or are taking steps to be able to avail of that type of, um, you know, let's say, capital discount at the better.
0: So in your opinion, you know, if I'm a company that's not going to be impacted until 2026, you don't think I should just sit back and wait and see what everybody else does? Do I need to start getting ready today?
1: Well, I'm very biased, so I would say absolutely yes. Um, But but but, but I think uh, there's plenty of observable data points that would support that too. And we know, like, both anecdotally, and I've seen it with clients, have seen it, we see it in broader data as well, that that just is the case, right? And banks and other capital providers have more and more products that are clearly incentivized uh, toward um, being green for want of a better term. Um, so to me, it makes absolute commercial sense to be ha- to perhaps rather uh, be ahead of when you need to be to, to avail of lower capital, but also there's broader uh, commercial imperatives as well. Like, I mean, entities are now coming under pressure with supply chains, right? Mm-hmm. There's, there's wider supply chain pressure around being able to report to certain metrics Um, And there's broader stakeholder pressure from everything from your consumers to your employees uh, and other groups to be able to demonstrate and report meaningfully on material, and I'll underline that word, material ESG information to your business. Yeah, not just cost of capital.
0: Connor, thank you very much for joining us today. I think you've given us some really valuable insights into what's coming down the track for companies. Thank you to all of our listeners. If you have any questions on the topics that we discussed here today, please feel free to reach out to myself, Connor or your usual KPMG contact. Thank you all for listening.